The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. A very merry Draftmas to you. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Draft Show. We are less than one month away from the NFL Draft. Things are getting real, folks. And here to help me talk about some players that are in this draft, find them on Twitter at Jacob Morley. Jacob Stack, hello, my friend. How are you? How is self-isolation or social isolation going? It's good. It's real good. If there's any silver lining to the COVID-19 virus, it's that I've been able to stay at home and just shred lots and lots of film and get my write-ups done in a timely fashion. Like all of us are done in record time. Um, so that's that's really great that we have that extra time now to really just kind of hone in on, on some special things for the guide. Um, but speaking of the draft, too, we got news today that the, it will take place on the 23rd, that weekend. Um, so that'll be really awesome. Uh, I did see, and I'm sure everyone saw this, that uh, the NFL is going to have to get creative with how they want to conduct this because all the personnel and all those guys, they can't be at the team facilities. Um, so I, in my mind, I have a feeling like I hope that it's just a bunch of dudes at like the GM's house and they're just ha- like just <laughs> they're just like doing the draft just like the rest of us, except they get to call on the picks. Or they're on Zoom. They're on Zoom. Yeah, Zoom draft. Oh, my goodness. How much money would you pay to just be there and be mute? Like, I can't say anything. You can't see me. I just want to listen in. Brett Veach, drop the link. (laughs) (laughs) Just drop it, Brett. I'll be in there. Only if you need me. Only if you need me. I'll be over here. Oh man, that would be so great. Uh, but yeah, we are done. We have we have done all the write ups now for the KC Draft Guide. Two hundred twenty nine write ups complete. Uh, we did it. We finished today. This was our last day writing up the guide, and uh, we could not be more excited to get that thing out for you. We're actually giving a a really deep discount, our deepest dip discount we've advertised uh, so far. If you go to gum.co slash KC Draft Guide twenty twenty promo code countdown. You're going to get the KC Draft Guide for $7.99. So you're getting 20% off. Um, and we're keeping that up until March, I think. Or into the end of March, I think. And then after that, I don't think you're going to have any promo codes available. So you've got a little bit of time left to get one of these at a discounted rate. And Jake, why don't we just give away a Draft Guide today? Why not? Just give it away? Don't, Let's just do it. Let, all right. Let's just give it away. 
All right, here, let's do this. It's promo code trivia time. And if you don't know how we do this, if you're the first person to answer this question uh, in the promo code spot at checkout, when you go to gum.co slash Casey Draft Guide 2020, if you go to the checkout and you enter the answer to this trivia question in the promo code, you're the first person to do that, you get a free draft guide. And here's the question, and it might kind of be a little bit for some OGs because you'll, you'll have a hint. You'll have a decent idea of this one. What is the last name of the player that was selected with the Chiefs' original second-round pick spot in 2018? So the Chiefs traded up for Breland Speaks. The player that was taken with their original spot in the second round. You know that. You know the last name of that player. You're getting a free draft guide. It was a player that I was very high on and was very disappointed to see the Chiefs not take. Uh, there, there's Yeah, Jake does now. Jake, it just Jake, came to me. Yeah. 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 Uh, kind of baited you there. Um, all right. If you like the show, if you like what we're doing on the AP Draft Show, if you like what we're doing on the AP Laboratory, please feel free to leave a five-star review. If you drop a question, the five-star reviews, we try to answer those. Uh, so go ahead and do that. So here's what we're going to do today. We got done writing up the draft guide. We've do- gotten done doing a lot of evaluations. We're very, very deep into this. Um, you know, there's going to be hundreds. There's going to be... A- Dozens, maybe even a hundred plus players that aren't even going to make it into the guide at all, even in the rankings that we've reviewed and graded, undrafted guys, um, and we. So we are going to talk about players that our opinions have changed on through this process. Maybe we had an opinion of them early in the process, and now where we're at with them, and then also players that we've enjoyed writing up the most in the guide. So maybe our favorite write-ups or players that we really enjoyed write-ups. So we're going to go, we're going to go and we'll bring Maddie and Craig in later to do theirs too. Uh, Players, our opinions have changed on Jake. Um, I want to start with a safety out of Clemson, Kavon Wallace. And early in the process, I was kind of underwhelmed by Kavon Wallace. Some of the games I'd seen, I I didn't, you know, first off, I didn't really see him near the ball nearly enough. Um, I I thought he was kind of sloppy transitioning. I didn't really understand his value. I didn't really understand his role. Uh, but then as I got to watch a little bit more of him, as some of his bigger games, I got to see him at the Senior Bowl. I got to see him at the Senior Bowl, and I thought he, he acquitted himself pretty nicely there. He was a little bit better in man coverage than I thought he was going to be. Um, he, he was making more plays on the football. He was around the football a little bit more. And then you watch the national semifinal game, and he was one of the best players in the defensive secondary for both teams in that game. Uh, some outstanding plays, closing on the football, sound tackler. Um, I really enjoyed his game. You know, I, I like him a lot. And he's kind of a guy that he, he can play a little bit in the slot. He can play deep. Um, I don't know if you're going to play him in the box all that much, but really came away through the process impressed by Kavon Wallace. And he's someone that I have not spent a ton of time on just because now that we're done with all of our like initial write-ups and our positional groups, he's he's going to be someone that I want to go back and watch because I do remember him in the semifinals game being all over the place. But all I really remember about him in that Louis, uh, that LSU game was that dropped interception at the beginning of the game that would have <laughs> changed that game drastically, at least the first half of it. Yep. Uh, all right, Jake. Let's give me let, give me a guy that you know your opinion has changed on throughout the draft process. 
Yeah, and so like I just said too, like a lot of my guys I'm going to be talking about, and hopefully this changes next week as I get more into positions other than wide receiver and tight end because this wide receiver group is so stupid. Like I feel like I watched 120 wide receivers this year, um, and they're all good. Um, but a guy that really had, I mean, I, it's not going to be any surprise. I think a lot of people change their mind on him or maybe not change their mind, but are a lot higher on this Denzel Mims out of Baylor. Um, you talk about just going in and absolutely nailing the draft process. That's exactly what he did. Um, watching his, his film, things that concern me about him is I thought he didn't play very physical. I thought he could get rerouted and uh, kind of pestered throughout his routes. But then at the senior bowl, that's one thing that he really put a show on was, Hey, like, I, I'm not going to be bullied. I'm going to play physical. Um, so that was one. That's boom. He checks that off. And that's something you then have to go back and watch and say, okay, so was I wrong about that? Um, yeah, I was. And then you say, okay, is he is he a top-notch athlete? Boom. Knock that out of the park at, at the combine. He is one of the freakiest athletes in this draft. So uh, Denzel Mims is a guy that was sitting out the, you know, the outside of that top 10 ranking for receivers. But right now, for me, Personally, he's my sixth receiver in this draft class. So Denzel Mims is someone that um, really has inserted himself in that conversation of, you know, who is re- receiver four, really. You got your top three in Ruggs, Judy, and, and Lamb, and then probably Jefferson, but Mims is is nipping at their heels too. Well, there's some first-round buzz for Denzel Mims now. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, maybe some of the places that you would see uh, Justin Jefferson kind of get mocked in the first round, you're starting to see Mims a little bit more in that spot. Um, I do think he has overtaken uh, Justin Jefferson in a lot of people's minds in that in that wide receiver four kind of range. And it's pretty remarkable. It, it's impressive. You know, I think T. Higgins not really poor, performing particularly well has really helped Denzel Mims draft stock because both of those are big, bigger dudes and one tested really poorly and then the other one was Denzel Mims. So, you know, I think that's really got to be, um, you know, encouraging for his draft stock. And, and I do think, you know, you're probably not getting him at 63. Like, you know, he's, he was mocked to the Chiefs a little bit at 63. We might even mocked him at 63 a little bit for the Chiefs, too. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about players that we enjoyed riding up the most in the KC Draft Guide, Jake. Who was yours? So sticking with that receiver position, I think, you know, one of the most fun players in this draft class is C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. Um, just an absolute dog. Uh, favorite, fun guy to write up, fun guy to watch. Um, but just to read you an excerpt from my uh, my write-up of him, this is how the first couple sentence reads. It says, Lamb plays the ball or plays the game with a different mentality. A true alpha dog on the field. When the ball is in the air, it is his, and he takes exception to anyone thinking otherwise. And that's exactly how he plays. Like, the ball is in the air, and he's got that my ball mentality. Um, so he's just a really fun guy to, to root for, a really fun guy that, uh, to write up. And he's a really fun guy. I squealed last week when Maddie said he was going to take CeeDee Lamb with a top 15 pick. And that was like not even, that was like an, un, it just happened. I don't know because <laughs> that, that, that thought is just really fun to think about. And I, I've even said it, if there is one guy that I could put on that chief's offense in this draft class and people would be terrified, I think it's CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. And like, I think the thing with CeeDee Lamb is like, he didn't test at a ridiculous level. He didn't blow people away at the, you know, at the combine, some of his catching, you know, some of the positional field drills, he, he actually, I think he stood out obviously, but, 
Um, I don't think, you know, the combine isn't even really necessarily the place where he's going to shine and where he shines is on the football field. After the catch, he's one of the most enjoyable players you're ever going to watch. I mean, last few years, just, just so much fun to watch. Good at the catch point, good body control, outstanding body control. Uh, and there's a lot more to him to develop that. I think you got to be really excited about, uh, for me, it's Robert Hunt. And I think with Robert Hunt, too, he might be one of those guys that my opinion on has changed over the course of the process, too. Um, I think, you know, the more I've watched him, the more I've liked him, the more, you know, I've kind of, you know, really kind of kind of gone to like his game. And a lot of people project him as an interior offensive lineman already uh, because he played tackle at, at Louisiana Lafayette. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him playing along the interior of the offensive line. And I 100% agree with that. And he's got written up as an interior offensive line. Uh, he is one of the nastiest finishers in this entire class. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read a little excerpt. Uh, just kind of talking about how I saw his fit. Uh, the chiefs haven't had a player with the nastiness and finishing ability of their, on their offensive line in a while. He'd be a welcome tone setter in the run game with the upside to be a pro bowl player. If he continue, continues to develop. And I really believe that because even though he's kind of an older prospect, he's almost 24 years old. Um, I, or he might be 24 years old during his rookie year. I can't remember exactly. So he's kind of an older guy, but I still think there's some projection to them because he's got the athletic upside because he'll be kicking inside the guard where he should have a little bit more success uh, at the next level and his movement skills, his finishing ability. There's a lot to like about him. And I think the, I think the, I think there's a really high ceiling on him. I think he's pretty good value on day two. Yeah. Rob Hunt is like, like you guys have mentioned before, he's the type of guy, but he just throws people around. He's, he's, he's a, what do they call it? A bouncer. He throws people out the club. Um, so those people out the club. Yeah. He's a fun guy to watch. And those types of guys, uh, that are just the maulers. They're, they're really fun to write up because they're, they're football guys, you know, and, and Rob Hunt is absolutely that type of guy. Um, great would be a great fit in Kansas city too. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with Maddie Lane right after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. You can find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, and you can also find him here right now giving you some fire NFL draft takes. Our pal, Maddie Lane. Maddie, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I please challenge you guys to not come find me right here, right now. If you are not in this particular video chat, I do not need you showing up in person to come talk to me at this late, late hour. I appreciate you guys, but I don't know if I need everybody showing up to my home, Kent. Come on, don't invite the people. Uh, Hey, I, I've heard worse ideas, my friend. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you guys can all come by. We'll come hang out. There's plenty of room. We can go swim in the four-foot pond. Let's do it. I'm so down. Do you have fish in that pond? We do. Taught my daughter how to fish there last weekend, actually. So we do have little oh carpy. I think there's some bass and catfish in there. I'm jealous. 
I'm jealous. Um, let's go ahead and uh, you're, wait. You're done, by the way. We're all done, Maddie. You finished. When did you finish uh, a couple, on the draft guide stuff? A couple days ago, I think I finished my last write-up. I want to say Monday night, I think I finished my last write-up. I've just kind of been working on secondaries, secondary grades so that we can organize the bottom, the last couple guys to get write-ups for everybody. So right now, I'm actually finishing up my feature pieces. We got the uh, Steve Spagnola defensive end, kind of his thresholds. We got that article all written up, inserted into the draft guide document. And right now, everybody remembers, well, I hope everyone that follows me remembers, I did a horizontal Chiefs draft board. And I put it out on Twitter last year for you guys to click on it by Google Sheets link. And you know I shared it with everybody. This year, it's going to be in the draft guide. So the link's going to be in the draft guide, but it's just a horizontal draft big board. It's similar to a vertical big board, just I'm organizing it also with Chiefs players and a little bit of positional value, scheme, style fit with the Chiefs. And it's just going to all be included in the draft guide for you guys this year. That's going to be dope, man. Um, Okay, so as we've been kind of going through the process, you know, one of the things we do is, like Maddie said, secondary grades. We have cross-checkers for all these guys. So what we do is we have a primary grader watches several games. Uh, we have a sec, we have a, you know, secondary graders come in and try to, um, you know, cross check those grades to see, you know, where things are different. And if, if there's big gaps, maybe we'll jump in and have more people get eyes on it. So it's just kind of a fluid process where we're just trying to get as, as much done and evaluated and cross checked as possible. Um, but Maddie, who is a player? Let's, let's talk a couple, give me a couple players who your opinion has changed on through this draft evaluation process? Well, first and foremost, I got to say, I didn't mean to jump on here and put on my salesman hat and just start talking about the draft guide and not say, hi, Jake, how are you doing? I didn't mean to just <laughs> completely squeeze you out, Jake. So how are you doing today, buddy? I'm just over here chilling. You're trying to make me disappear like Carol Baskin's husband. But I'm, but I, but I'm, but I'm here. Spoiler. I just Come got Come on, there. Jake. You got, there's, there's more than just three of us here right now. All right, no, but that's really, not a spoiler alert. You can read that. That's 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 a plot. This doesn't give away anything. It just it's great. Better not. <laughs> All right. So my first guy is actually Malik Harrison, linebacker out of Ohio State. I watched him early on in the process as a secondary. I was cross-checking him for Craig leading up to the Senior Bowl. Since he he was a Senior Bowl commit, he was going to the Senior Bowl. I watched a mid-season game of Malik Harrison. I saw a thumper. I saw a guy that was going to play two downs in the NFL. He's very big. He's long. He loves to hit anything that moves. And I had a lot of questions about his athleticism, his ability and coverage, just even his ability to diagnose the play because he was just running and hitting everything no matter where it was. Senior Bowl came around. He looked terrible in coverage. He looked stiff. He looked slow. He was awful in coverage. So I felt pretty vindicated at that point in time. A little bit later, I saw the combine testing. I saw some people talking about him. So I had to go back to the tape. There's a little bit more there to Malik Harrison. He's not as stiff as he originally looked for me, and I think the athletic testing proved that. I don't think he plays to his speed or his agility, but he has some just baseline athleticism that can play at the NFL level. And when you start watching later Ohio State tape, like versus Clemson, you see some of the Wisconsin stuff, Ohio State trusts him to split out wide versus running backs and play them in man coverage. I'm not saying he's good at it, but there might be some baseline traits there to actually get out in coverage a little bit more than just shallow hook zones. So just the more I watched, the more I saw the potential. I'm still not ready to say top 50 player like some people are, and I have some major questions for him in coverage, but he definitely grew on me as the process went. 
Were you talking about Malik Harrison or Kenneth Murray? I, I couldn't tell the difference. Oh. <laughs> so, no, but it's actually, no, that's fair. No, that is very fair. I mean, I do think that Kenneth Murray plays a lot more explosive, like he's quicker, but the, a lot of the same stuff I just said for Harrison can apply to Kenneth Murray too. Right, and that's what, I, that's what I'm getting at is their strengths and their weaknesses are the, the same. You know, like I think everything that Kenneth Murray does – that Malik Harrison does, Kenneth Murray does a little bit better, but both of those guys, big time questions about what they can do in space and in coverage. Um, I love both their athletic profiles, um, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if three years from now, Malik Harrison, you know, is the best player and or the best inside linebacker to come out of this draft class because he's got all the tools, um, but it's just tough. That's a tough projection. And I think those two guys, um, for whatever reason, Malik Harrison's kind of on the outside looking in. I, I, I really want to say that more as to pump him up. Um, because I think he deserves um, to be in that conversation with Kenneth Murray as far as, you know, uh, probably picks 30 to 40, even though you just said you don't think he's a top 50 guy. Uh, but I, if, if you like Kenneth Murray, I don't know why you can't or why you shouldn't like Malik Harrison is what I'm trying yeah. to say. I would inject Jordan Brooks into that same conversation. Those oh. three guys, all very similar kind of players. And it's just, I think Malik Harrison might see the field the best of the group. I think Kenneth Murray plays the most fluid. And Jordan Brooks just seems to have the most production or most consistency from year to year. But I mean, yeah, they all three share skills, strengths, and weaknesses. Yeah, I don't think Malik Harrison, the thing that for the Chiefs, from a Chiefs perspective, I don't think he's a, a solution for them at will. And that's unfortunate because they kind of have dead weight at, at Mike right now with, with Anthony Hitchens, who's on the field performance is not particularly strong. Everything after the snap has just not been good in Kansas City. He gets people set up extremely like, you know, he's been a good communicator. He's trusted that group, that room trusts him. But everything after the snap has not been great. Malik Harrison would be a fantastic upgrade to Anthony Hitchens. But that's just not happening. Okay, Maddie, how about another guy? So another one, Marlon Davidson, defensive end, defensive tackle out of Auburn. Watched him as a defensive end. I thought he looked comfortable out there during the year. But again, early in the process, I watched him, got him out of the way because he's a senior bowl guy. He rolls up to the senior bowl. Not only is he wearing amazing short shorts, but he comes out here and dominates people for the first the first day of practice before he has an ankle injury or pulls himself because he was lighting everybody up. He'd actually put on weight for that. He's continued to put on weight to play defensive tackle. So now I have senior bowl film and I'm grading him as a defensive tackle instead of a defensive end. And it's jumped him up almost a round and a half grade for me because I just like his skill set better on the inside. That first step, his ability to use his length, his little bit of stiffness doesn't matter when he's playing as a defensive tackle. And I just think guards are going to have a hard time dealing with his lateral agility on the inside. He does have that defensive end flexibility, but I like him a lot better as a tackle. Yeah. I think that's the question with him, right? Is where do you play him? You know, he worked out with the edges at the combine, which is bizarre. Uh, But I mean, I think he wanted to showcase his athleticism a little bit, but still a guy that's coming into the league that doesn't really have a true position. Um, I know some people are really high on him. Like we're talking like end of the first round high on him. So um, sure, if you're going to play him on the interior, I think that's where he's going to end up. I think that's where he needs to end up. Um, and if he keeps packing on weight, he keeps putting on good weight, I think he can he can step in there and be a, be a real nice player. Yeah, I really enjoy watching him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, violent. Like, that's the thing that always just snuck out to me is just, especially at the Senior Bowl, he was just violent uh, and really great, gave outstanding effort during that whole process. Uh, I'm going to give a guy that my opinion has changed on as the process has gone along. Uh, it's Ben Barch, 
And Ben Barch, early on in the process, I was trying to take everything with a very heavy grain of salt because he's playing as a Division three player. And I kind of said, let me just see how the process plays out. We were going to get an opportunity to actually see him against... Um, senior bowl, you know, at the com- it gets good competition at the senior bowl, and um, and that was a really important piece of the process for me watching him. Um, or the, frankly, like the, the thing that really is frustrating is like the first couple snaps I saw of him at the senior bowl live, he got bull rushed into oblivion, like the worst bull rush. Travis Gibson knocked him like back into the end zone, and then the next next move was I it was like it was Anthony Anthony Jennings maybe or Trello someone hit him with a spin as a right tackle the next play and it was just bad. I think he's a guard, and I think honestly his movement skills I I was too low on early in the process, and I think part of it was just trying to give him you know take it all with a grain of salt. But I think watching him more. The athletic profile is really, really nice. I wish we would have got to see him perform at the NFL Combine. Uh, that would have been really helpful to his process. But um, I still think he's a raw player, and you're probably not getting anything out of him year one. But I think you could have a really, really good guard in the future um, with that athletic profile, with the mentality. You kind of read into his backstory a little bit more about what he's had to do to get here to this point putting on 65 75 pounds throughout his college process or college career and 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 going from a division three school now to the nfl i think you're gonna bet on this guy and i think he's gonna wind up paying off big time uh if you get him in round three or later the first exposure for me was so i didn't get to go to the senior bowl this year and i didn't watch the first practice on tv anywhere i don't think that it was and so I get on a screen video chat with Kent and Craig and they're showing me we're going through the film. And the first thing I hear about Ben Barch is Kent just laying into how terrible he was, which was <laughs> weird to me because all day everyone is hyping him up, calling him like the biggest winner, talk, just singing his praises. It's like that was the, my first experience was on one hand getting everyone telling me how great he was on the other. Kent telling me that he doesn't belong playing football in the Pop Warner League anyway. <laughs> And so we go through the senior bowl and I told Kent, I think at the end of it, I was like, I mean, I definitely don't think he was as bad as you thought. And Kent admitted he probably just saw two really bad reps right off the bat and then just kind of it, moved on. It it ruined it for me. It did. It, it, it definitely did. I, I, you know, I had to really kind of get back into it a little bit more. Now, as I watched the whole senior bowl practice, I don't think he was great. Like I thought that he showed that he belonged there and he has super smooth movement for a guy his size. Like that's very evident. I thought he was okay. Not great, not just okay. But when I got to his film here late in the process, just that easy movement ability shows up. He is such a fluid mover. He has good size. His arms are like 31 inches. So he's definitely playing guard. But I would take my money. I would bet my money on that kind of athleticism and movement ability all day. Yeah, I mean, you, one thing you have to know about Kent is he doesn't like small school players. He's just biased against them. He doesn't what? like he doesn't like old players, and he doesn't like small school players. So Ben Barch. Since when do I not like small school players? Never. I liked Nasir Adderley last year. Mm. So you felt like I like Jeremy Chin this year. I like Kyle Duggar this year, and he's an old. Yeah, well. I'm just saying. Anyways, you can keep keep Barch. Keep I, I've, me. I've always liked Barch. I think I. Uh, I agree. I think he's a guard. I, I like his film. I think he was a big winner at the Senior Bowl because he did not get blown out every single snap. I mean, you're looking at a guy coming from the D3 level, playing with Division One best football players in college football, just being able to kind of acclimate. Honestly, I thought he got better at, throughout the week. Um, and I think if, if you go back and watch a lot of Senior Bowl practices, it's not necessarily about uh, – 
one practice or one rep or one drill. You got to kind of look at the whole body of work and see if those guys were able to acclimate, you know, in a new situation uh, with new coaches, new team, new teammates in an unfamiliar practice. Everything's unfamiliar. That stuff can be weird for some of those players. Um, I thought Barsh did a good job. I think that's why people were talking about how he was a winner just because he, he simply showed up and just proved that, Hey, I can play with these guys. And for a division three football player, uh, that's a win. So I like Barch. I agree. I think he's a guard. Um, I think he's a guy that maybe he could be your backup, you know, potential backup at four positions, you know, just not, I I would never put him up there at left tackle, but you know, right tackle through left guard. I think he could be a guy that could come and back up right away and eventually be a starter for, uh, for a team at guard. All right, Maddie, why don't you give us, uh, the couple players that you've most enjoyed writing up in the guide? Uh, the first one is Makai Becton, and it's, I mean, riding up, watching his tape, you're not going to find more fun offensive line tape. This man clears out like almost half of a defensive line when he's down blocking. He just takes the defensive end or tackle, drives them to two or three other players, a linebacker. If they get in the way, they're going for a ride like it's a tidal wave. And you can go watch him against Clemson. And he has some bad reps versus Clemson, who's a very good opponent, his best in the year. He also has reps where he's throwing guys into the sideline. I mean, literally throwing guys. So he's getting to put that into words and just write pancake over and over again in the scouting report and just talk about just a guy his size moving that well. That was a lot of fun. And then another guy to me, and this one's just a little bit different, Antoine Brooks Jr., safety out of Maryland. He's got so much energy. He is the lifeblood of that Maryland defense. Darnell Savage was a popular guy for us coming out of Maryland last year. Antoine Brooks was still the leader on the team that had Darnell Savage. Antoine Brooks is so much fun. And even better yet, he idolizes Tyron Matthew. And you can see that in his game. You can tell that he has definitely studied Tyron Matthew and tries to play like him. I don't think he has the exact same skill set. But even when I believe it was Craig got to talk to him, he mentioned that getting to play with Tyron Matthew would almost make him cry because that's just one of his idols in the NFL. So it's just really cool to get to put that kind of stuff into the draft guide. That's Matty Lane. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Thanks, dude. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at BarleyHop. He has graced us with his presence. Uh, just fresh off of writing the kickers and punters report. Yeah, you're damn right. Yeah, that's the long, good stuff. Long snappers on deck. <laughs> who you got? Who you got as LS one? As LS one, I, I, I it's Blake Ferguson. <laughs> Blake Ferguson. Oh Isn't that yeah, his name, the LSU. I yeah, think that people the- are talking. People are talking like he's going to be like legitimately like like people are like geeking out about Blake Ferguson, the long snapper from LSU. Bill Belichick drafted one last year. Everybody's just trying to get on his level, man. Yeah, I no, no, it's not Blake Ferguson. It's Stephen Wirtel out of Iowa State. Shout out to Stephen Uh, Wirtel. His brother, his brother played at KU. Fun fact. Also a long snapper. Steven Wirtel, uh, wi- 10 relative athletic score for long snappers. Just saying. What? Yes. Is he the only one? I Well, he- probably. Probably the only guy who tested enough to to, to qualify, qualify for RAS. <laughs> yeah. Got to bump his grade up pretty significantly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Craig, we're, uh, you know, we just got done writing up the draft guy. We're talking about players our opinions have changed on first. Give me a couple guys. Let's, let's talk... 
Let's talk about a couple players that, you know, maybe your opinion has changed throughout this process. Uh, Neville Gallimore is probably the biggest change for me. Uh, when I was going through and watching Neville Gallimore before we went to the Senior Bowl, I loved Neville Gallimore. I loved his first step, his explosion, his his toolbox that he had as a pass rusher. And see, I just watched Javon Kinlaw before that. Javon Kinlaw raw athlete doesn't have a whole lot of toolbox then switching to Neville Gallimore I actually had a higher grade on Neville Gallimore than I did on Javon Kinlaw then we got to the senior bowl and big Nev struggled and he just frankly didn't look particularly good I went back and watched a couple more games and I kind of ended up kind of falling a little bit on Big Neff I still like him but I don't like him in the same way that I did before after seeing him in person seeing some more games it just wasn't as good as that first game that I saw really made him out to be I think Big Nev too man uh see I his 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 uh, combine was like one of the weirdest things ever, right? Because he ran that really good forty, and then you're like, "Oh baby, he's about to blow this mm-hmm. up," and, and then he didn't <laughs> at all. <laughs> like he was really bad. But one thing that about Nev though is like, tell me tell me about Oklahoma's defense. Like, what in the world were they doing with him? Because he was a guy. Him and Blacklock are two guys that you watch in that Big Twelve front, and you're just like, "What are they doing?" So it's, it's almost hard to get a read on, like, is he going to be a better pro when he's asked to do just, like, nor, you know, normal one-tech things? You know, I mean, so uh, there's some – I still like him a little bit, but I agree with you in the sense of, like, that uh, that combine workout really – I know you're not supposed to overreact about the combine. He still looks like a really good athlete on tape, but, man, that was bad. Um, I think so – oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, uh, I was anyway. just I just think overall the process, I think, has just been pretty bad for him. I mean, it's just the entire thing, really, to this point, is has not been kind to Neville Gallimore. I don't know what that means for his draft stock. I mean, he was getting some top 20 love at one point. Now, I mean, he's the day two guy, I think, all the way. Like, I don't think there's really a great chance of him winding up this, in day one. This interior defensive line class in general. I mean, Derek Brown, did he? you, you put him in that? I mean, Derek Brown's film is so still so good, right? Yeah. But, like, him, um, Kinlaw, and then who? Is it... Matabuke, like, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Black Matabuke, Lock? Blacklock, and Gallimore. Those are kind of that next grouping of guys that you know, off the top of my head here. Yep. Yeah, no, that's what I would have said. All right, uh, Craig, give us another guy that your opinions changed on over the process. Francis Bernard out of Utah. I loved a lot of the Utah defenders taped, and he's one of the guys that really kind of took a step back as we got through this entire process. Francis Bernard was an athlete. It showed up on tape. He could cover. I I was excited about him as like a mid-round guy. He clearly needed some refinement. He's an older guy. He'd gotten into some trouble at BYU and got himself kicked out of BYU, went to a JUCO for a year and redshirted, and then came to Utah and kind of was on that squad for the last two years of his career. So he took a weird path. So I had some questions about him. He was more than willing to talk about all those issues at the Senior Bowl. That wasn't a problem at all. But then we got to see him asked to be doing something different than what Utah had him doing. Just, you know, the ability to translate from scheme to scheme. And he struggled. He looked stiff. He did not look like the same athlete. And then he showed up at the combine again, 
did not look like the same athlete. So another guy who I was higher on before we went to the senior bowl went, got to see him in person and just really didn't like what I had to see. And so he fell a little bit further. I'd still take him. I, I'm not, you know, writing him off by any means here, but I would have some serious questions about his fit and his ability to translate to multiple schemes. Well, yeah. And he, I mean, he ran a four eight one at the combine. Yeah, and that, I, I wonder. I don't. I don't know if he played at two thirty four at, at Utah, but that's what he went went in at the combine and played at. I wonder if he might have tried to you know play a little bit heavier or, or perform a little bit heavier to show that he could put on some weight. Maybe you know not scare away some teams, but didn't do the agilities either. I mean, it, it, it was just a weird process for him. And yeah, I did not think the Senior Bowl was particularly kind to him at all. Uh, and it was kind of disappointing because as you know as a team that is probably going to be looking for you know a will backer you were hoping maybe yeah. you know maybe he would make a, make sense and, and <laughs> now <laughs> 481 yeah that's and didn't do, didn't that's, do the abilities probably that, on purpose <laughs> that is slower than anthony hitchens for you guys oh. who are trying to keep track anthony hitchens is one of the slowest spags linebackers that he has had francis bernard ran a slower 40 that's that's rough Big yikes. Big yikes. All right. Jake, why don't you throw another player that your opinions changed on? Before we do that, I just need to point out that all of us, so Kent, myself, and Maddie, we all talked about guys that we were higher on uh, throughout this draft process, and and Craig just comes in here just dumps onto you guys, crotchety <laughs> old man over there, just grumpy about people. Golly, man. <laughs> Who do you like? This is fun. Who do you like we'll in this class? There. We'll get there. We, I, I like <laughs> I like about three players in this class. We're going to talk about two of them later. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, well, here's so what, a guy that I, I really like, like really, really like in that day three range is Josh Kelly, the running back out of UCLA. And he's a guy that at the running back position, there's kind of things you look for and there's boxes that you need to check. I think athleticism matters at that position um, for the most part. And Josh Kelly, Josh Kelly's relative athletic score, so his score you know, stacked against every running back that's ever been tested that we basically know of is 8.46. So he's in the 84th percentile, basically. He's a very good athlete. You saw that on tape a little bit, but one thing that I really like about him, and I think he's proven it, um, through the senior bowl, what he was able to do there is is he's a third down back too. That guy can be on the field all three downs. Um, when you're looking at a day three guy, you know your you know Marlon Mack was a day three guy. Aaron Jones was an was a day three guy. Josh Kelly kind of fits the bill as one of those guys that can be explosive in the passing game, but also be a big playmaker um, anytime he has the ball in his hands. So and he's not going to go, you know, because. He's not going to go in that, you know, top 100 picks just because running backs don't. And he is the type of guy that you can really get good value on at that running back position later on in the draft. I'm big fan of Joshua Kelly. I like those Marlon Mack and Aaron Jones comps, not necessarily from a play style, but that that kind of player, the more complete back, as Jake said there, guy that you're not going to take off the field. Guy that's going to do just enough in the run game to make you not have to go out and find a bell cow back, not have to try and go out and spend a lot of assets to get a guy. He's not, he's probably never going to be like top five, top, you know, eight back in the league, but he might float around that 10 to 12 range. And at the spot that you're going to get Josh Kelly, that's, that's more than enough. Yeah. He was another guy. We talked about him a little bit. We got to the senior bowl and he popped. So I I do I do like Josh Kelly. 
Jake. I do like him. So he, he's <laughs> one of the dudes, but yeah. Sound the alarm. Yeah. <laughs> The, the funny thing about Josh Kelly is you wouldn't know by his senior bowl performance. He only had 11 catches in his uh, final season at UCLA. Wouldn't be like, able isn't to Isn't that tell. shocking? Wouldn't be able Would to Would never have noticed that. Soft, natural hands, big dude, tested extremely well. I think he's really helped himself out a lot throughout this draft process. I wish he was a little bit more... Uh, I, think, I, wish he, I, I, I think he's too passive in pass protection. Like, I think that's one of the things. Is I just think he's a little bit too passive in pass protection right now. Um, and I think he should be able to be more than what he is at this point. All right, Craig, throw a couple names at us, uh, some players that you've enjoyed writing up in the guide so far. Uh, first guy on here is Zach Bond. We've talked a lot about him and his transition to off-ball linebacker. Zach Bond was a lot of fun to write up because he was a lot of fun to talk to at the Senior Bowl. He, he talked about what he was doing at home, the types of things he likes to do at home, his dog's birthday, the type of dog he had. Like, it's just a genuine dude that w- was having the time of his life being there in Mobile. And he's a guy that's th- probably around one pick. And so it, it hadn't gone to his head. Some of these guys that you talk to, it's not necessarily that they're, you know, that they're looking down at you or, you know, thinking they're too good to be there while they're there or anything like that. But you definitely have a distance between a lot of these guys. Zach Bond was not one of those guys at all. He was just really fun to talk to. So from that regard, trying to figure out his fit and writing the whole translation and just the kind of character that he was was awesome. And then the other guy, guys, I finally got to write about a round one player. Uh, In the KC Draft Guide, I little peek behind the curtain. We don't give out very many round one grades. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't expect there to be, you know, but obviously there's 32 round one picks, but we don't give out a ton of round one grades. Last year, I just barely missed out on Devin Bush being a round one grade. That would have been my highest guy on there. I got one this year, Jeff Okuda. Uh, Yeah, baby. It's just really fun to write about players that are so good that you really have to nitpick to <laughs> to try and talk about the things that they don't do well. Like you get to the weakness section and you just want to write, I mean, he's he's just really, really good. Like take him and don't regret it because he's going to be a stud corner. So <laughs> it's fun to write That's, those kinds of write-ups. It is funny when you're writing and you look at it, you know, you, you, you look at what you just wrote and a really good looking report is like filled out, right? It looks full, <laughs> it looks plump. And some of those guys, like I wrote up Chase Young, and it was kind of the same thing. I got to the weaknesses. It's like not that they don't have any, sure. but it's just like this is short. Like this, I I can't be done. This looks lopsided, right. but it is like they're just good, man. Yeah, it, it's like Kendall Vildor has a really nice looking write up, a big long thing with a nice quote and everything like that. Jeff Okuda is just like he's great. He's awesome. He he does everything well. Take him. Your team will be better yes. with him ha, on the field. How does he fit with the Chiefs? I please let him fit with the Chiefs, please. Weak weaknesses. He has an alarming sweet tooth. Yeah, that he, <laughs> you know, he likes a couple chocolate covered almonds at night. You might need to monitor that. I he, mean, like he's got an exceptional potty mouth that may get him <laughs> into trouble in the film room. Like, I, I mean, come on, yeah. <laughs> All right. Exceptional. That's uh, that's going to do it for uh, the AP Draft Show. Be sure to tune in on Monday to hear the AP Lab. We'll be back with you next week. Catch you later.